You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Good morning. Y'all can sit down. Merry Christmas. Can I, is that all right to say that still? Yeah, good. Um, hey, my name is Talavo. I am one of the pastors on staff here at CBC, and uh, it really is a gift to get with be with you uh, this morning. I was, I was talking to uh, someone earlier, and they're like, man, we were wondering... Uh, we're arguing in the car who was going to preach today. And I was like, oh, it's, it was me. You know, it's the other guy. It's always, it's always the other guy when you're in the car wondering who's going to preach. Um, but I, I want to make sure, before we jump in, I want to make sure to welcome some of our elementary school friends who are in the room with us today. Um, if you're here, could you just, can you raise your hand, maybe wave at us? Just want to know you're here. That, Amos is here. Um, <laughs> Hey, yes. Hey, let me, let me, I want to let you know, okay, that we are so glad that you are here, right? That you belong here. You have a place uh, in our church. You're very important to our church family, and we're, we're glad that you're uh, with us. And then let me pump up mom and dad for a second. I know what this is like. I know that it might feel like WrestleMania, right, trying to keep everybody in their seat. Um, but I promise you this morning, your kid, uh, your kids are not a distraction to us, right? We're really glad uh, they're with us, and it really is a gift to be able to worship together um, with all of our church family and to engage the Lord. And so, let me encourage you, uh, if you're a parent this morning, uh, wrestling a little kid, uh, to to try and engage with the Lord this morning. Okay, and so I want I want to start by asking a question that's divided households for generations. Right? Uh, how soon can you take down your Christmas decorations? How soon can we take this down? The world is pretty split, right? I, I did some research because I'm weird like that, right? But uh, there, are, there are a lot of different opinions out there, right? And I think it's pretty safe to say that you either grew up in a pre-New Year's house or a post-New Year's house, right? And those seem to be the two biggest schools of thoughts. Uh, and there are obviously different extremes to the spectrum, right? Like some of us uh, like to ignore all social norms and then see how long we can keep them up, right? Can I keep up my lights through Easter? Um, but I grew up in a, uh, a sooner is better house, okay? Much sooner is better. My sweet mom uh, did not want to wait long at all, okay? It's like a sport for her. She is constantly trying to break her own records, okay? And so it's basically it's like, how soon after we open presents can I start taking this stuff down, okay? We were, uh, we were over there uh, after Christmas, the day after Christmas, and she was already scheming. She, honestly, if not for us coming, they'd probably all be gone, right? Um, basically, 12.01, December 26th. So my mom likes to take down uh, her decorations. And so here's kind of the reality, okay? Uh, wherever you land on the spectrum, right, regardless of how long you uh, like to keep your decorations up, uh, it can sometimes feel like the Advent season, like Christmas season, uh, quickly fades away, right? And then we find ourselves back in the real world, okay? And, and for, uh, for most of us, going back to the real world means that we're going back to some real fear and real anxieties and real worries, right? Even the season that we find ourselves in uh, can sometimes force us to revisit or reflect on this past year's uh, worries and concerns, right? And then uh, look forward to the concerns uh, of, of the new year or the new decade for this instance, right? We sometimes, we call them resolutions, right? Um, but 
the good news is that uh, the Lord has something to say about our anxiety. Okay, let me say one more thing before we jump in to the text. Uh, I know that the idea of talking about anxiety uh, right after Christmas, right, um, might make us feel really uncomfortable. I know that for some of us, it, the thought of that makes us more anxious, okay? And if that's you, uh, I wanna let you know uh, that I am not dismissing or making light of your anxiety, okay? And Jesus isn't either, right? This sermon is as much for me and my ongoing uh, personal struggle with my anxiety um, as much as it is for anyone else in the room today. So, so you, are, you are not crazy, right? And you're certainly not alone uh, in this. And again, the good news is that Jesus has something to say about our anxiety, okay? So we'll jump in. We're gonna be in Matthew 6 this morning. Uh, I'll give you a second to turn there if you have it. Matthew 6, um, I'm gonna read verse 25 to 34. This is um, the most important thing I'm gonna say today, okay? The most important thing you're going to hear today are these words straight from uh, the mouth of Jesus, okay? Matthew 6, starting verse 25, it says this, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, of not, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, the, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Now, this is probably a familiar passage, right, for most of us. Uh, we're right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and what we're about to cover continues an argument that Jesus makes a few verses up, okay? So this is, uh, this is what that therefore in verse 25 is there for, okay? Check this out. In verse 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? And then later in verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And I think the connection that Jesus is making is that the things that you treasure uh, will reveal where your heart is and ultimately who or what you serve, right? And Jesus is going to continue to draw this argument out for us in verse 25 when he says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious, right? Because just like what you treasure will reveal what you serve, uh, your anxiety is going to reveal a few things too. Okay, but what, right? What does our anxiety reveal? I think Jesus gives us a clue uh, at the end of verse 30 when he says, oh, you of little faith, right? Our anxiety can reveal where we're doubting the character and the goodness of God, right? And where we're doubting what it's, what's true about us uh, because of the gospel, right? Our anxiety can also help to reveal um, the things that we treasure or the things that we're putting our hope in. 
Okay, so a few weeks ago, uh, Bess was talking to Amos, he's our five-year-old, um, about what they should get me for Christmas. Okay, so Bess says, Amos, why don't we sit down? Why don't you help me make a list of all the things that daddy loves? And so Amos says, okay, well, let's see. Daddy loves the Gamecocks and daddy loves money, okay? <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And man, and, um, and then he says, okay, maybe, maybe we can find a football game where the Gamecocks win and daddy can watch that. Okay, this story um, is really awkward for me, right? Um, because my first reaction was, okay, I, I get the Gamecocks part of that. I understand that. Uh, but I'm not sure about the whole daddy loves money thing. Like, what do I do about that? Um, but as I think back right, to the things that I've been anxious about over the past few months, even this last year, it makes sense. Okay, Amos has obviously been watching me very closely on Saturdays this fall. Right, and he knows what the Gamecocks have put me through this year, right? Um, and I'm sure he's heard us talking about saving up for things, right, and wondering uh, how we're gonna pay for things, okay? So, like, where we're gonna send him to school next year has been a, a pretty big source of anxiety for me, right? And being the biblical scholar that he is, he put it all together, right? Daddy must love the Gamecocks and he must love money because daddy is most anxious about the Gamecocks and about money, right? This is profound wisdom from a five-year-old, right? So maybe after uh, you get out of here, you can sit down with your kids and have them make a list of all the things that they think you love. Uh, it might reveal a few things, right? And so today, we're gonna talk about the Gamecocks and we're gonna talk about money, okay? Really, uh, we're going to, what we're gonna do is we're gonna use this passage to help us identify some of the sources of our anxiety. Okay, we're gonna take a look at three areas of our lives uh, that Jesus warns us to not be anxious about. And then we're gonna see, uh, he's gonna help us shed some light on what that anxiety reveals. Okay, before we move on, I want to make sure you know what I mean and maybe what I don't mean when I say anxiety. Okay, I'm not talking about uh, a healthy concern uh, for, for our lives or a concern about being most prudent, like doing what's prudent or being responsible. Okay, a good definition that, that I've found that I think is best um, that kind of describes what I'm talking about is this. Anxiety is an intense desire for something accompanied by a fear, right, that word is important, of the consequences of not receiving it. Okay, I'll say that again. Anxiety is an intense desire for something accompanied by a fear of the consequences of not receiving it. Okay, so here's the first one. The first thing that Jesus warns us about is this. Do not be anxious about your life. Okay, do not be anxious about your life. Verse 25 says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Okay, and if you're like me, it's easy to dismiss this one. Right? Like I'm not really worried about when my next meal is gonna be, what I'm gonna eat next, right? You and I, generally speaking, we're fortunate enough so I don't have to worry about that, but what does this have to do with us, right? How can we apply this to our lives and to our anxiety in 2019, right, in Savannah, Georgia? And I think we need to look at what Jesus says next. He says, is not life more than food? Is not life more than food? There's something else we need to see here. Uh, we need to take a look a little deeper. So he jumps into this in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
Okay, this makes sense on the surface, right? We've heard this before, but here's what I wanna draw your attention to. The birds don't sow, the birds don't reap, and they don't gather into barns. They just get fed, right? They get one worm at a time and they eat, okay? And I'm not an expert on uh, the dietary habits of birds, but I think that pretty much sums it up, right? The birds just eat. The birds don't engage in activities like that, but we do. Right, we sow and we reap and we gather, don't we? Um, but for what? For stuff, uh, for satisfaction, okay? And we may not gather into barns, okay? Well, maybe, some of us might, right? But we, we have attics and we have garages and storage units and warehouses full of stuff that at one time we hoped would satisfy us or make us happy. Right, and even though we are only a few days removed from Christmas, there's already more stuff out there that we're hoping to get our hands on. And the big question that's underneath the anxiety that we experience about our life, about our stuff, is do I have enough? Do I have enough? And that's what Jesus is warning us about. Okay, we sow and reap and gather and we grow anxious for fear of not having enough. Okay, do do I have enough, right, to satisfy me, to sustain me, to make me happy? Okay, and yes, money is one of those things, a huge source of anxiety for some of us, but I think, uh, think about other material possessions that you're hoping will satisfy. Money is just a means for a new car or a bigger house or an upgrade to something better or something we deem more satisfying. Okay, here's an easy test uh, for some of us. What's the one gift that you had on your list that you didn't get this year, right? Uh, the one that you were hoping that mom or dad or your spouse or a friend would come through on, but they didn't, right? You wanted the AirPods, but you got the SmartPods instead, right? And you kind of just think and you sigh, okay, well, okay, maybe next year, right? Or maybe if I just return all this stuff, take all the money I got, save it for a few months, then I'll just go get it myself, right? Uh, do you see the cycle? Okay, we wonder uh, why we don't feel like we have enough. We wonder why we don't feel like we're satisfied. And so we sow and we reap and we gather so we can get the next thing that we hope will satisfy us, right? We get Amazon Prime so we can get it in two days. Um, and eventually, we're back to feeling unsatisfied. And so we go and we get more and more, okay? And remember that our anxiety reveals something, right? Oh, you of little faith. Uh, and what our anxiety is revealing in this instance is doubt of God's provision. All right, what we're revealing is we're doubting God's provision. We wonder if God is going to come through. Right? And we worry that God might be holding out on us. And so we sow and we reap and we gather more and more for fear of not having enough. Okay, let me ask you a question uh, before we move on. Where in your life do you find yourself doubting God's provision? And where does it feel like God is holding out on you? Uh, Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about whether or not you will have enough, right? That's the first thing he warns us about. Here's the next one. Do not be anxious about your body. Do not be anxious about your body. Look at verse 25 again. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And just like the first one, it can be easy for us to brush this off right? or to minimize 
uh, it, what Jesus is trying to say. But remember what he says next. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And this time he draws our attention to the lilies. Okay, so verse 28 to 30 says this. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown to the oven, how will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Another familiar argument, right? The lilies of the field, uh, the flowers along the highway that my wife thinks are really pretty uh, aren't stressing out about their appearance, right? They aren't working for our attention. The lilies don't toil and they don't spin, but we do, right? We toil, don't we? Uh, The word for toil means to labor with wearisome effort or to grow weary and exhausted, right? So what exactly are we laboring for that causes us so much anxiety? Um, I think that ultimately what we toil and strive for even to the point of exhaustion, uh, is for significance, right? And the big question that's underneath this anxiety is have I done enough? Have I done enough? And we toil and labor and we grow anxious for fear of falling short, right? Have I done enough to validate myself, to prove my worth? Have I done enough to feel significant, to feel um, valuable, right? Do I matter? Okay, does that sound familiar? Um, I, wanna, I wanna do a little fill in the blank, uh, if you will indulge me, okay? Uh, write down this sentence, I am significant because blank, right? Or I matter because whatever you write down. I, wanna, I really wanna give you a moment to, to consider that. I'm significant because of this, or I matter because of this. And what you might find uh, is that what you wrote down or, or the thing that comes to your mind is what you toil and labor for. Right? It might be what causes you to worry the most. It might be the source of, of the most anxiety of your life, right? And the thing that our anxiety is revealing here is doubt in our position. Okay, doubt of our position. Here's what I mean. Verse 31, 32 says, therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Okay, when we experience anxiety like this, when we experience anxiety about our significance uh, or when we're tempted to toil and strive uh, to prove that we matter, right? We're behaving like Gentiles, we're behaving like people who don't know God. We're behaving as if God is not our Heavenly Father. You and I are behaving as if our position is dependent on our performance or on our achievements, okay? And so we toil and we labor and we grow anxious for fear of falling short. Have I done enough? Where in your life do you feel like you're falling short? Where do you feel like you have to work to keep your spot, right, with other people or with the Lord? Uh, Jesus says, do not be anxious about your body, right? Don't be anxious, don't strive, don't toil for your significance, okay? And here's the last thing 
he warns us about. He says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Jesus asks in verse 27, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And then in verse 34, he says, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There's not, there's not a, lot of, uh, a lot we need to unpack with this one, right? You and I don't need to look at the birds or the lilies uh, to know what Jesus is talking about. We're very familiar with the worry and the anxiety that the future brings, right? And the big question that's underneath this anxiety is will I be ready? Will I be ready? Will I be strong enough? Will I be prepared enough? Will I be capable enough? And really, uh, what our anxiety is revealing is doubt in God's presence. Okay, doubt in God's presence. What we're wondering beneath all this is whether or not God is going to be there. Or we're wondering if, if we've been left to ourselves. Okay, we've just spent an entire month reminding ourselves that God is with us, right? But is he really? Right, can we be sure? And we wonder if we can count on God to show up tomorrow, right? Where in your life are you doubting God's presence? Where in your life do you want God, do you hope God is gonna show up tomorrow or next year, right? And Jesus says, don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Okay, so, so what do we do? Uh, with this, what, what can we do about this, right? The good news is that the Bible never leaves us hanging when it comes to our worry or our anxiety, okay? We, we were never commanded to not be anxious or to not worry without being reminded of a promise or given something to do, right? Something else to set our minds on. So here's a passage, just an example. It's so dear to me, okay? Philippians 4, 6, it says, do not be anxious about anything, Right, which sounds really daunting. Like, I don't know about that, right? But, but before that, in verse five, Paul says, the Lord is at hand. Okay, he reminds us of God's presence. And then after that, he, after he tells us to not be anxious, he says, go do this instead. Okay, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is an appeal to God's provision, right? And then we get another promise in verse seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're reminded that you and I are in Christ Jesus, right? Our position. Okay, the Bible doesn't leave us hanging when it comes to our anxiety, and Jesus won't either. Okay, so he says, verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And then verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Okay, so that's what we do, right? What it means to seek God's kingdom is to set our minds on his character, and on the goodness of God, okay? And it's like what we heard as we were walking through Colossians uh, all this fall, Colossians 3, verse two, it says, set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth, okay? And 2 Peter uh, three eighteen says, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It means reminding ourselves of what God says is true about his provision, about our position, and about his 
presence, okay? And so I just wanna end our time by quickly, I'm gonna walk through some of the promises that God has made to us about these things, okay? So how can we be sure of God's provision in our lives? How can we be sure that God is going to come through? Romans 8, 32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Right, just like Jesus has us look to the birds and to the lilies, Paul wants us to look to Christ. Okay, and in Christ, God has already met our biggest need. Right, Colossians 2, verse 13 and 14, it says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record that, that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside nailing it to the cross, okay? Proof that you and I can count on God's provision is that he's already given us his best, right? He's not withheld his son from us. Um, there are these uh, attributes of God that, that our kids have been going through, they're learning, especially our elementary kids upstairs, okay? And, and let me just say again, as, as a dad, how thankful I am for all of our teachers, all of our volunteers in CBC Kids. That is um, such a gift to me and to my family. Okay, so here's one of those attributes uh, for you as you consider God's provision. Okay, we tell the kids this. God is generous. He gives what is best. God is generous. He gives what is best, okay? And he has already given us Christ his very best. So how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Okay, let me quickly pause and remind you, maybe for the first time, that this is the message of the gospel. Okay, that Jesus is who he says he is, and he's done all that he said he would do. Christ has already accomplished for us what was impossible. Okay, he's taken care of our biggest need, our biggest problem, our sin, and he secured the life and the joy and the satisfaction that you and I have desperately been trying to work for, okay? And the invitation is to come and trust him and to bank on his finished work on our behalf. Okay, let's keep going. What about our position? Okay, what does the Bible have to say about our position uh, in Christ? Okay, we'll stay in Romans 8, verse 15 and 16. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. There's that word again, right? Uh, but you have received the spirit of adoption by, of sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I love that promise in verse 16, right? That the Spirit himself bears witness that we are children of God. God himself bears witness and affirms that those of us who are in Christ are his children, Right? We can be certain of our position, which frees us from the anxiety of having to toil and strive and perform. Okay, now we can freely come to him and make our requests known, just like Paul said in Philippians 4. And because of our position, because God is our heavenly father, we can be sure that we have God's attention. Okay, here's another one of those attributes for you. Uh, God is attentive. He hears our prayers, okay? God is attentive. He hears our prayers. We are children of God. That is our position. And God, our Father, our Heavenly Father, hears our prayers, okay? And lastly, 
What about God's presence? How can we be confident about tomorrow? Okay, Hebrews uh, 13.8 promises that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Okay, and just before that, the the writer of Hebrews reminds us of another promise that God made in Deuteronomy. Uh, Hebrews 13.5 reminds us uh, that he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay, we can be confident about tomorrow because we know that Jesus will be there and he will be as gracious and as kind and as wise as he was today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. One last attribute uh, for you. God is good. He is what is best. God is good. He is what is best. And he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Okay, and so our worries and our anxiety reveal our doubts, right? But God in his grace reminds us of his uh, provision for us. He reminds us of our position in Christ. We are children of God and of his presence yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Okay, and so before we hurry out of here and start making plans for this new year, let me leave you with one of the Bible's sweetest promises. Okay, why don't we stand Uh, together as I read this, uh, and then we can jump into worship. One of the Bible's sweetest promises, Lamentations 3, 22 to 23, says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to believe this Uh, to be true. I thank you for uh, the reminder, God, that you did not withhold your own son from us, um, Lord, and that you sent him uh, to stand in our place. And so I pray, God, that you would um, remind us that you will will not withhold uh, anything else from us that we need. So I I just pray that you would help us to believe this to be true. Be gracious to your church this morning. We pray In Jesus' name, amen.